When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word daily. A new season of Daily's England and New Zealand is the series. It started at Lords Day 1 today. Jeff Lemon coming to you all the way from Canada. Adam Collins is not here today because he has a prior engagement. But we have at Lords itself standing on the hallowed turf Daniel Norcross, who is going to tell you all about a busy day's play in the space of 30 seconds or less. Okay, let's try it. So, New Zealand won toss on a perfectly decent batting day and contrived somehow to lose six wickets before lunch. They went in at 39 for six. In that time, Jack Leach, playing his first home test match for quite a while, managed to concuss himself, hauling a ball back and saving just the one run. He's out of the test match. Anderson picked up four wickets. Matthew Potts picked up four wickets on debut before he limped off with a calf injury. It looks like it's just uh, cramp. 132 all out New Zealand after a flurry of runs post-lunch. Then England cruised to 59 without loss. Lost Crawley to a wafty drive. 92 for two. Everything looked fine until Root was out, caught in the cordon. They lost five wickets for eight runs. No one has the faintest idea how they did it. Two wickets apiece for Bolt. Southey and Jameson, England closed 16 runs behind with only three wickets in hand. This game has been absolutely <laughs> insane. Uh, very good. Was, that was more than uh, 30 seconds, sure was it? it? It was, but there was a lot to cover. I think that was fair because if we if we consider we're probably only likely now to do three of these dailies for the Lord's Test match um, at yeah. most, it means that maybe we could take the 30 seconds from the fourth and fifth day and, and allocate them. Maybe you get an extra 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or an extra 20 seconds even for each of the, the subsequent three days. What a bizarre start to proceedings, Daniel. There was there was a minute, well, there was a couple of hours even, where it seemed like, you know, the, the Red Bull reset, or as our listener Sam Ashworth calls it under Ben Stokes, the Red Bull reset, had <laughs> worked. You know, Broad and Anderson doing the thing. James Anderson takes the first two wickets to fall. You know, nicks off the openers, classic Anderson style. Broad comes in and gets a wicket. Then the new fellow, Matty Potts, does the work. England are taking catches in the cordon. Johnny Besto takes the first three. Uh, and, and all of the things that hadn't been going right for England uh, started going right in a fielding and bowling sense. Um, they didn't go right in the batting sense. But I suppose we could start with the good news for England supporters. We could start with the, the positive half of the day, which was that New Zealand looked as at sea as they did in their warm-up game against the County Select Eleven. Um, they looked hopeless and half-assed, that top order, mm-hmm. uh, choosing to, to, to bat in those conditions and then just uh, prodding and poking outside off stump and feeding the, the catchers behind. Yes, it was that. It was, it was not flamboyant shots by any means that we're getting about. It was chronic indecision. I mean, you saw a leave at one point. I forget who it was now. It was so long ago, might have been, might have been Mitchell. It might have been Blundell. Uh, his leave was, as John Arlott once said, not so much late as posthumous. It was. There was a lot of indecision <laughs> everywhere. Uh, there was some 
very good bowling. I mean, it's good, tight test match bowling. You expect that from the likes of Broad and Anderson. Perhaps didn't expect it from Matthew Potts, who bowled a very controlled line and length and got the ball to jag a little bit up the hill. But there wasn't... Look, this wasn't demonic bowling. It was, it was good, excellent test match bowling. And in that first session, New Zealand 39 for six. So they didn't even try to put any pressure back on England's bowlers. After lunch, they did, but they did it in the completely opposite fashion. They went berserk in the first over. Carl Jamieson has got Colin de Grandom at the other end. He played five rash shots at five balls, and the fifth one was a top edge down to fine leg where Matt Potts took the catch. So, uh, incidentally, Anderson picked up two wickets like that. Southie was out in exactly the same fashion. First time Anderson's picked up two wickets to bounces since the dawn of creation. I mean, that's a side exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Um, it was... It was impossible really to fathom it was as if neither side trusted their defensive techniques um, mm -hmm. in England's case they'd had much less excuse because all their batters had had plenty of time at the crease playing in the county championship for New Zealand I felt some sympathy because they've had very little time to acclimatise Trent Bolt had so little time to acclimatise he arrived in the country on Monday and he's playing by Thursday uh, so mm. look for New Zealand I felt a certain sympathy uh, for England's batters uh, what happened when they reached 92 for two is inexplicable losing route I think mm. shows how lacking in confidence England's batting lineup is they rely so much on him and they did do throughout his stellar year but it wasn't a stellar year for England was it he got 1700 runs but no one else got anything um, last year and when he goes there's a sort of look of panic that comes over the batting lineup mm. and wickets were thrown away Johnny Pesto played a shot he'll really regret pushing away from his body dragging a ball back onto his stumps Stokes driving hard at a ball on four stump Ollie Pope who looked like he'd cured his ills you know, knew which balls to leave and then just got drawn at one from Jameson who did bowl very mm -hmm. well you know these are two good bowling lineups so you might expect batters to struggle it was the extent to which they struggled has bemused us all uh, let's just dial it back to the start there. You know, Anderson and Broad with the ball in hand, you know, even that's been a talking point over the last six or eight months yep. with the way that they were used and not used by Chris Silverwood, not being taken to the Caribbean on that tour, being reinstated by Brendan McCullum as the new coach and Stokes as the new captain and then Anderson doing the business right away. Just that that nagging uh, line that he bowls, so that little bit of movement uh, and, and drawing players into shots, getting those early couple of edges, um, Broad getting the one as well. And, and as you said, the, that was the thing I noticed about Matthew Potts as well, was the ability to get the ball to go up the hill. He had the one that went away a little bit down the hill from uh, to, to Kane Williamson to pick up his first wicket in Test cricket. And, I mean, quite the tale it is with about 53 England medium-fast bowlers having gone down injured since the start of the county season. Potts was the last one left standing. He's taken it is a extraordinary story, in. isn't it? And, and when, it, when he walked off, Jeff. Uh, we thought, no, you're joking. I mean, he'd, he'd bowled an eight-over spell before lunch, yes, but he was at the top of his mark and he had Trent Bolt to bowl at to pick up his fifth wicket and get onto the honours board on debut. Yeah, I think it was, he'd, take, he'd, he'd conceded 12 runs. He, would, he could have had five for 12 there because Bolt was just swinging mm. from the hip. And so when he walked off, it was like, oh, crikey, it's got to be bad. Uh, that means England <laughs> are down another bowler. The only people standing are a 39-year-old and a 35-year-old. This isn't making yeah. any sense. But look, I was, I was impressed with him and I'm always impressed with Anderson in English conditions because he judges the length pretty well. Uh, we found out though today that England's 
uh, bowling in that first session was fuller than it has been, again, since the dawn of creation, since Anderson and Broad have played together, which is slightly ironic given, you know, the, there was a sense that Joe Root had called for his senior bowlers to bowl a bit of a fuller length and the moment Ben Stokes is captain, then they sort of do. I'm sure that that is not a coincidence. I think they just assessed the conditions here at Lords and realised a fuller length was called for, but it was very effective. You know, Broad bowled well and didn't they picked up just the one wicket. Uh, Stokes didn't have to over-bowl himself because the wickets kept tumbling. So, I mean, in the end, I think he's only bowled, what is it, 10 balls or so. So he'll be fresh for the second innings, and that second innings is going to come thick and fast because England's bowlers have not been able to put their feet up. They'll probably be bowling by around about half 11, 20 to 12 tomorrow morning. And for New Zealand... They know they're not just right back in this match. In this third innings, they could mm-hmm. put a huge amount of pressure on England. If they're still batting at the end of tomorrow, it's going to be a tough, tough target for England's fragile batting lineup to chase that down. And who would have thought that at about half past five when they were cruising at 92 for two with a deficit of just 40? Well, look, I mean, New Zealand could feasibly still have a lead. Uh, they're they're oh, yes. 16 runs in front and they've got three wickets to take and who's to say that they won't take them uh, at, at some point, you know, relatively early in the day tomorrow, the way things have gone so far. Um, it, it, an, an extraordinary sort of turn of events. They they bowl out New Zealand for 132. Uh, Colin de Grandhomme does his best. He makes 42 and, uh, and Tim Southey swings a few away. But, you know, they're they're fighting the fire at that point and just pouring a few buckets of sand on it. And then England come out to bat and everything looks hunky-dory for a while. Yes, Zach Crawley nicks off to a loose drive because that's what Zach Crawley does after he has a reasonable start. But they're 75 for one at one stage and then lose six for 41 after that. It it was an extraordinary and and yet very familiar handing back of uh, supremacy in the match, I suppose. Yeah, it's a it's a familiar tale of woe that's happened to England time and time again, and it's a tale of woe with the bat. Um, it doesn't seem to get any better. On this occasion, Zach Crawley's the one who's top scored. It's the middle order that's fallen apart, but there's a fragile-looking tale. So, you know, until England can find some solidity in that top order, until they can find players who are, as Jeremy Coney would say, line batters as opposed to length batters, guys who will leave the ball on line and not be drawn to the ball near the top of the order, they're always going to be fragile. And while that tail has been slightly compromised by losing out on so many all-rounders in recent years, they're going to struggle to get enough runs after the loss of four or five wickets. So, look, uh, it's set up a really exciting day tomorrow. It might be the last day tomorrow. (laughs) I've given up predicting. (laughs) But certainly it's hard to see this game going beyond Saturday if the weather holds. A good general sort of performance from New Zealand's bowling attack in the end after the poor start. You know, everybody chipped in, Jamison picked up uh, a couple to get things started and Tim Southey coming around the wicket to the left-handers was, uh, you know, angling that ball in and then getting it to move away a bit to draw the edge of Stokes. He had uh, he had Lees missing one that angled in at the stumps and ended up getting him LBW and then Bolt chipping in for a couple as well, having Bairstow chopping on and then the short ball that Potts batting very high at number eight gloved into the cordon. So uh, all of New Zealand's quicks did their bit here and there. We've got the Hall of Fame to look at, Daniel, and there are, I think, for day one, there are a lot of Hall of Fame contenders. I'd start with Johnny Bairstow taking two one-handed catches to, to start proceedings, including the one that bounced off his chest and he had to dive forward to grab. Um, 
Matt Parkinson making his debut as a concussion substitute in a match where the first innings is already over and thus he won't get to bowl at all. And so if the only chance he might get is to send down three or four overs in the second innings, perhaps if they really take pity on him. It's considering the way he's been left out of the side over the last few years, it's a very Matt Parkinson way for things to go. It really is. I mean, that's that's probably... Had he come out to bat, that would have been Hall of Fame material. I, I almost yep. think that... And I mean this in the most fond way, because I love Jack Leach, but I think he, for me, gets a Hall of Famer for chasing down quite brilliantly. He's not a guy necessarily renowned for his fielding. He ran hell for leather. He wanted Baz McCullum to know he puts in all this effort. And he's chased it down, hauled it back, hauled the ball back, three inches inside the, the rope, right in front of the, the members, and done a somersault, landed on his head, been concussed. Wasn't able to get a game in this country. Been wandering around with a bib on for the last two years. Finally gets a game Mm -hmm. and he's out as a concussion. He's out with concussion within an hour. Within an hour. And um, (laughs) if you want to try and find the unluckiest man in cricket, it's Jack Leach. And for me, that is Hall of Fame material today. He found a whole new way, a whole new way to, (laughs) to put himself out of contention for a test match. Um, you mentioned James Anderson taking two wickets with bouncers. I think that was pretty Hall of Fame worthy for me as well, going the short ball attack for the 39-year-old. And also what I know you would have enjoyed, which was the Fibonacci sequence scorecard uh, for New Zealand, where they I went did. one, one, two, three, five to well, start was, off the scorecard. I, I was on commentary when Daryl Mitchell was becalmed on five, and he was the next one that, that, to, to make the sequence work. And he, he, he very nearly was out a couple of times, and there was a genuine boo in the commentary box when he clipped a four through the onside to, to, to ruin it. Um, he did get 13 in the end, which would have been the number six's sequence. So <laughs> yeah, there, was, there was a lot of Fibonacci going on. I, we enjoyed that a lot today. <laughs> All right, I think we can wrap up a busy day one there. Uh, this has been the final word daily on the Bad Producer Podcast Network. If you like what we're doing, patron.com slash the final word. You can support the show. And uh, we'll be back on day two with me and Adam Collins. We'll return by then. The test match may be over at the end of day two. Who knows? Goodbye. I had to go about-